Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful. And for the faithful, I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. That was a much better um, outcome. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a better effort. Game two was, you know, we just before we went on, I was just saying how often hockey comes down to goaltending and, and to bounces. And if the orders had gotten a little bit better goaltending and better bounces against Vancouver, certainly in the second game, they would have won that game. <coughs> this game was a slaughter, six to one, over the Predators of Nashville. So, what do you think? And yet, how how uh, what was the total count of grade A shots? The total count of yeah. grade A shots was to know. <clears throat> 17 for Nashville, 16 for the Oilers. And when we go to the subset of <laughs> five alarm shots, it was eight for Nashville and seven for the Oilers. Huh. So exceedingly close. Now, some of that was score effects. Yeah, oh, for um, sure. Nashville came on in the third period and got, uh, like they got the last four um Great A shots of the game. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Edmonton kind of stopped trying to score a whole lot in the, down the stretch of that game. They had a comfortable lead and they were comfortable to play it out. And Nashville pushed and got a couple of bounces and a couple of decent shots. Yeah. So I'm just looking at uh, uh, Nashville Statric all situations. They had it 9 8 in high danger chances for the Preds. And 2.97 to 2.99 in expected goals. Let's call it three to three, shall we? Uh, I, I don't like that many significant digits on some of these speculative are, stats, frankly. But anyway, it was an evener game yeah. than the score. That's all I'm getting to. Yeah, our expected goals were higher than that. Mm-hmm. It was it was a track meet in a lot of ways. I mean, Nashville. Maybe if they got in the lead, they would have played differently. But they were playing catch up, and they opened up uh, significantly. 43 shots in this game yeah bruce this is our two good things two bad things and two numbers podcast and because it was a crucial must win game for the oilers we'll go with two good things each what's your first good thing well i'm going to single out for the second time already this year warren fogel who Ooh. i thought had a terrific game tonight they moved him up into the top six to much you and cry from uh from all the armchair GMs out there. And uh, Fogel uh, responded, I thought, with an outstanding game right from his very first shift when he made a diving defensive play to prevent a possible breakaway uh, just inside the uh, Edmonton blue line on a kind of bouncing puck that looked like it had bounced favorably for Nashville until uh, Fogel made the hero play to sweep it away. And I just thought he, he just kept right on bringing it. He made a... He made a uh, a beautiful pass on the uh, Zach Hyman goal from, uh, you know, just from the bottom of the right circle. And he just whipped it right across the, the <clears throat> low slot to Hyman at the left edge of the crease. And Hyman was able to hack it in from there. Gorgeous pass. Uh, and then he, uh, of course, uh, was rewarded himself with the last goal of the game on uh, another splendid play, really, with uh Nugent Hopkins and Hyman, and he buried a, a shot uh, from the from the slot, 
And then even in the third period, he had another shot from the slot that he rang off the goalpost. Wicked shot. And just, I thought all around he was, you know, he was strong in a two-way sense. And, I mean, goal and assist plus two, uh, two shots. And, uh, you know, a takeaway, a block shot. He was, you know, he was uh, in, uh, in frame really all over the ice. And I thought... Uh, this is one of his strongest games as an Oiler, to be honest. He's looking good. I mean, mm-hmm. I I um wasn't surprised they moved him up. <clears throat> he's mm-hmm. been uh, one of their best forwards since the start of the year. I mean, he's creating way more on the attack than either Kane or Connor Brown. And um, yeah, he has looked good. I mean, Holloway's looked good. But uh, I think he deserved the call. He deserved to be advanced. I was surprised at how well the second line did. Um, Nugent Hopkins, as a center, has never uh, been my cup of tea. Like, I've never seen him um, play, never drive a line, as they say, never play spectacular two-way hockey or rarely play spectacular two-way hockey. But uh, tonight he played very well. I mean, that line uh, was out for three goals, four. Now, Fogel wasn't out for one of them. Drysaddle was out for one of them. But um, three goals, four and for that line. And uh, I don't think any against, none against, at even strength. So that was that line just um, created four grade A shots. <clears throat> at even strength, didn't give up any. They were... They just had a hell of a game, and um, it's really good news for the Oilers if Nugent Hopkins um, can team up with Hyman and another player on a second line, because you do want to use that big line now and then. You know, when you're against certain teams that don't necessarily have a top, a great top pairing defense, um, kind of a porous defense, I think it's not a bad idea to take advantage of that by teaming up McDavid and Drysaddle now and then, <clears throat> especially when you need to win desperately. And, but you have to have some other lines that can go. And tonight I just had the feeling, well, they've got at least three lines that, that can play hockey here. I mean, I thought the third line was good too with McLeod and um, Holloway and uh, Connor Brown. So, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, it was um, well done. Bruce, my good thing, my first good thing, I'll just go with the obvious thing, which was Jack Campbell. I mean, uh, our expected goals... <laughs> excuse me, is um, four and a half, about four and a half on that number of grade A shots. You can expect to get about four and a half, four and a half goals. So he let in one and um, he wasn't perfect. There was one, you know, semi-bad rebound that it was kind of a lob, fairly hard lob that he put back into the slot and there was a good chance off that. But other than that, man, he looked solid. And again, he's looking... I'm not an expert on goalies. I, I I can't speak about their technical play. So it's more like um, a sense that you get from a goalie. He's just looking uh, steady, solid, confident, um, not giving out bad rebounds, generally speaking, uh, making the first save. And um, he, he, he was, It's I don't know if he stole the game tonight. I would suggest the, that he might have. Um, there was lots of good plays by the Oilers, so that's probably a bit of an overstatement. But he certainly outplayed the Nashville goalie. 
And in games, Bruce, where the Oilers goalie outplays the other team's goalie, I mean, how often the Oilers win that game with this team? It's almost always. Thoughts? Can't hear you. Are you on mute? I am. You missed uh, you two, or th- two or three poignant comments from me in there, probably. You were inter- I could see you interjecting. Rambling I along. I, I turned the <laughs> thing off while I went to the, I went to adjust the lights and then I forgot to unmute. Oh, well. Uh, I was mostly can... agreeing with what you were saying about the uh-huh. performance of the lines. Not, it wasn't just Fogel, but it was Fogel's whole line. And, and the third line held their own. And uh, even the fourth line, I thought, had uh, some good moments in the game, even as they uh, certainly didn't dominate play. But uh, they uh, they did have some good moments. What What did you think of Campbell? Oh, Campbell was he was terrific. He made I mean that uh, the save he made when it was right after Nashville scored to make it four one. Like the orders come out in the second period with the power play, and we'll get more to their, more to this in a minute. They came out in the second period. They gave up a power play. They gave up a power play goal, and then the very next play, they give up uh, basically a breakaway, and uh, Nurse gets caught up the ice, and and CC gets burned wide, and uh, who was the guy that burst right around everybody, and and uh, Camel made the scorpion save where he pulled, you know, pulled up the. How many Back. times did Louis what, say scorpion oh, save? Quite a few, quite a few. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I like remember to that, that phrase. That was a Dominic Hasek original, to my experience, in terms of being yeah. the first guy I saw it do that. Where you think it's impossible, he can't possibly make that save, and he did. Anyway, <clears throat> for Jack Campbell uh, to make that save, I mean, if Nashville scores again, like two and fifteen yeah. seconds, it's four to two, and there's like thirty-eight minutes left in the game. And half of the good work of the first period is undone in in in, in a minute, and so he he made that enormous save then. So the timing of that save, but also David, I thought in the first period Campbell was great. He was. And he was really yeah. holding Edmonton in there. Like the score was four or nothing. I was looking at it and thinking, geez, I think Nashville had more good chances than than uh, Edmonton did. And he was just strong and dialed in. And as he's been for most of the preseason, of course, he took a tremendous amount of abuse when he got beat for four goals in game one where nothing went right for any order. And I just thought he bounced right back as well as he could possibly hope for with a dialed in game, faced a lot of rubber. And I, I just, I like his confidence. I like his, he's tracking the puck. You can see his, you know, mm-hmm. him, him, uh, him following the play. And last year there were times where he just didn't seem to even know where it was. And tonight he sure did. And most of the time it was in his glove or hitting his pads or even got his melon on one shot from directly in front. And uh, Do you go back to him against Philadelphia on Thursday? Uh, tempting to. <clears throat> and I'm almost tempted still to just go one and one for a little bit. You go back to him in game uh, Saturday night after Skinner plays third. Like he could go either way, and I wouldn't have a big problem with it. Yeah, neither would I. I, I you, so. You're tempted to go back to him just because he played so well, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and and Woodcroft may well do that. And if he does, you know, it's, you can't blame him. And if he uh, wants to stick to his, I want to get both my goalies involved, you can't blame him either. But 
I would say at minimum, Kemp gets a start after the next one if he doesn't get the very next one. He will, you want to go with both goalies. That reminds me of the Mike Tyson cliche, you know. Everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face. Well, the owners have got to win some games. And suddenly you go back, you go back to riding the hot hand. You go do McDavid and Dreisaitl on the same line. You do all the same old things that every Oilers coach has ever done um, when you need to win. I was cool with the strategy today. I thought coming into that, this game, like people are losing, already they're panicking and they're going to know they got two options. And today they used uh, door number two because Leon and Connor have had a long history of absolutely destroying the Preds. And guess what? They did it again. Like, tell me the coach was wrong. You know, they they produced enough goals, enough offense for the team to comfortably win, and that's indeed what they wound up doing. I'll use that as a segue to my second good thing. Leon is my second good thing. He was, again, the best order on the ice for the second game in a row. He led the team, I thought, uh, I thought he was the best order. He led the team with um, eight grade-A shots, major contributions to grade-A shots. <clears throat> five at even strength. Five of those contribute three on the power play. Um, Two of which were goals off his stick. On the the first play. goal on the power play was, spe- you know, just <laughs> what a what a smart player. He moves to the he moves to the um, open ice. You know, he he just didn't stay on his um, typical spot there on the uh, right half wall. Um, he moves to the uh, to the middle of the ice, and Hyman gets the puck. Easy pass. That's a great play for the Oilers, actually, for Drysaddle mm-hmm. to sneak yeah. in there because Hyman often gets the puck there, mm-hmm. and he's often wondering what to do. Well, you have Drysaddle move in there, and all of a sudden, you know exactly what to do. Just make a little pass to Leon, and he will put it in the net, which is exactly what he did. The second goal, though, at even strength, though, was even I liked his play even better, Bruce. The owners are in the offensive end. He wins the puck, first of all. And then he executes two give-and-go plays with the Oilers defenseman. First with Philip Broberg, mm-hmm. then with Evan Bouchard. Mm-hmm. He he, um, he gives the puck to Broberg. Uh, I guess Broberg pushed, put it over to Bouchard, actually, didn't he? That was the pass there. But he, he got mm-hmm. it over to Broberg. Then uh, Bouchard passes it to Drysaddle in the very high slot. And Bouchard moves in, and Drysaddle gives him a perfect pass. So he he wins the puck and executes two wonderful passing plays. Bouchard puts it on net, and um, it's Hyman, correct, who puts that in. So um, just just fantastic uh, skill by all of those players. Broberg made a very nice stop of the blue line with his skate um, to control the puck and, and get that puck over to Bouchard. Bouchard did his job. Hyman did his job. Nuge was involved in it too in the slot, bashing away. Mm-hmm. So it was a fantastic team goal, and Leon uh, showed his quality. Even before those two passes that you described, there was another beautiful pass that Dry Saddle made just inside his own blue line, where he just kind of, he he uh, took a, uh, a a pass up to him to clear the zone. And he held it for a split second, and he just kind of tucked it through this little narrow port and right onto the stick of Nugent Hopkins, who was zipping up through the neutral zone. That's how they gained the zone in the first place. And it was just a slick little play where, where Leon, you know, protect the puck, picked the time and this place and the lane that he wanted to put it in, then executed perfectly. And, and uh, away went uh, 
you know, it's a subtle little thing, but uh, that if you're going to rewatch that play on the video, or back it up. I know you owe video. Back it up. Back it up. That's how Meeker used to say. Back, go back further. Go back to where the Oilers got the puck. And I recommend this generally for any goal to review. Go all the way back to where the change of possession happened. Figure out how the team got the puck and then what they did. And in this particular case, it's a nice long sequence with a whole lot of good plays by a bunch of different players, including three fine passes by Drysdale. His second goal, I think, is underrated because it looks like he's got a wide open net. But it's just the kind of play. So this is on the power play. And um, Bouchard moves in and, and uh, slams it towards the net. And it rebounds over to um, Dreisaitl in his favorite goal-scoring position. Mm-hmm. But it's just the kind of goal that about 80% of players will miss. They will, they will not drain that shot. When they have it, because it's not easy. Puck comes to you fast. You got to move fast. You're nervous. You want to score. It's wide open. Leon just is. He's just such a cool customer. Just slams it right in the net. And um, and over the pad, under the glove, just rips it home. He he did. (laughs) So this is just again his surreal skill. Surreal skill of Leon Drysaddle. And I know, like sometimes I've criticized him for his defensive play and mm-hmm. um, this and that and the other thing. But I have always just so greatly admired that incredible amount of skill that Leon Dreisaitl has and shows off on a regular basis. And it's why TSN just voted him the second best player in the NHL. Um, Bruce, your second good thing. Yeah, I guess I'm going to pick out this uh... – it's kind of wonder goal that uh, McDavid scored to make it four nothing late in the first period. This was kind of the nail in in the coffin because it came uh, just a minute after the three nothing goal, and it was kind of a funky play. In some ways, it reminded me of the also wonder goal that uh, Connor scored in his rookie season. Remember when he missed the three months with the broken clavicle, and he came back in the very first game against Columbus he scored on a breakaway where all the the there was just this pandemonium and, and McDavid went into one side with the puck and he came out the other side with the puck on a clear breakaway and deked out the goalie and scored and on occasion I think it was Jack Johnson he was kind of the a culprit on the Columbus side of the puck in that he had a chance to make a play and just didn't and that exact same thing happened to number 45, uh, Alexander Carrier, for um, Nashville tonight. I mean, there was two good passes, touch passes in the neutral zone. One from uh, Kane to chip it to Dry Saddle, and a second from Dry to chip it through to McDavid. David, McDavid kind of passed it off the boards to himself. And Carrier somehow just skated right by it. Like the puck was sort of just sliding along the ice and he missed it. And that was his fatal mistake because McDavid, who'd been knocked down in the process, so he was down on one knee as he's chipped the puck through. And you think he's got no chance. And about two frames later, here's McDavid in a clear cut breakaway beating the goalie. And it's just, how is that even possible? So, what was I mean, Carrier doing? I, I'm not sure. So was he going uh, to the bench? Like he did. It's he have a his wonder goal with up? an asterisk for me. I kind of, kind of make an awkward swing at the puck, but I, I think he That's read it terrible. late. And, and anyway, he, uh, he was the Jack Johnson of this particular piece, and uh, uh, 
people will remember the play by McDavid, but he he did take advantage of an opponent's mistake, which is one of the things you want to be doing in hockey. So, but there was kind of a glaring mistake in there. But such another one of these ones where McDavid goes from you think impossible odds to putting the puck in the net. Had another one kind of like that later too on the penalty kill, where he came racing down the ice and and. Uh, the defenseman beat him to the puck, and McDavid just took him to the corner and uh, uh, took the puck off and stepped out in front for a backhand shot. Just how do you even have the puck, let alone take it to the net? Yeah. And of all that, my favorite McDavid play of the game was early in the first period when he absolutely demolished. Oh, geez, uh, what a hit. Number 15, was it? Uh, um, what's the guy's name? Oh, 75, Parson and. Uh, and he just crushed him in the corner. It looked like the the Nashville guy had the lead on him, and McDavid just went into the corner, walloped him, and you know just came out. Uh, after the engagement, he had one hand on his stick, and he was able to reach out, make one dangle with it to pull it to his forehand, then chip a perfect sort of eight-foot pass up the boards to Drysaddle, who was in position then to walk it out. So not just the check itself, but his ability to maintain, uh, gain control of the puck for the Oilers and do something with it with one hand. <laughs> uh, I mean, he does things on a gamely basis that are just sort of, how the heck, did, you know, you just you expect it from him, but you wouldn't expect it from pretty much anybody else. And he just uh, pulls off these sort of routine little slate of hand yeah. tricks. That was the captain laying down the law. Yeah, sending, early. Yeah, sending I a thought message that was a to his team. Big time. Took totally. Yeah, and um, it was it was kind of a Messier kind of play there. Um, Bruce, my bad thing. Not a lot of bad in this game, um, but on the goal against, I didn't like Kulak's play. Uh, the puck goes behind the net, and Ekholm is battling for it with a Nashville player. And I, I can see how Kulak thought Ekholm probably had that puck, but it wasn't a sure thing. And instead of covering the front of the net, staying in front of the net, he, he starts creeping back to get the pass from Ekholm. You know, the truth was there was no one, if Ekholm did put it over, just tapped it over, there was no one there who was going to get it before Kulak anyway. There's no one around him. He didn't need to, to go there. And so when the puck comes um, out front of the net when Ekholm loses the battle and it comes out front of the net through uh, Ryan McLeod. <laughs> There's just a wide open shot on Campbell and they mm-hmm. score. And um, yeah, that was not, you know, I'm just tired of seeing open looks in front of the other team's net, in front, mm-hmm. excuse me, in front of the Oilers' net. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I'm tired of it. <laughs> After all these years watching Oilers hockey, and especially you know, the decade of darkness in this team, it's just its just an ongoing issue of these wide open shots in front of the net. So just cover the front of the net, men. Like, just bear down. It's like you mentioned Nurse's bad pinch when it was um, four. It's four to one, right? This is yeah. like almost the next shift. It and is Donald Nurse shift. decides to do a 50-50 pinch. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to rage against Darnell Nurse again tonight. Um, I thought he was pretty good for most of the he, game. He was, he was pretty good. But there was a few decisions that he made, and I'm thinking again, like, and this was the main one, where, like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? What is that all about? Yeah. Why why do you do that? 
you know, how many years you have to be in the NHL not to do that. And so anyway, but and same with Kulak on this plan. I, I was not liking his. It was uh, a lightning fast thing. Like uh, Ekholm had the puck, it looked like on his backhand, uh, just behind the net. And it looked like he might have gained control of it. It was like Kulak sort of mechanically dropped back to give him a pass receiving option. And if Ekholm had dumped it right at that moment, you know, a little short pass, Kulak would have walked it out. Anyway, Ekholm did not read what Kulak was going to do, and he tried to go the other way into two Nashville guys, and he didn't get the puck past him. And they centered it, and guess what? Kulak's not there anymore. Bam. So Yeah, mechanically, I'd just like to see them err on the side of caution, the defenseman, mm-hmm. and um, not make that, that kind of mistake. Bruce, what's your uh, bad thing? Yeah, I, I'm... I was a little nonplussed, David, with uh, the shifts immediately following goals, uh, including the first two goals of the game scored by Edmonton. In each case, the very next shift, just about from the face-off, went straight back into Edmonton territory and stayed there for what seemed like forever. And it was like, oh, we scored. Now we can't do anything right for 30 seconds as a penalty. Uh, And it was like trying to play... I remember playing in television hockey with a broken controller and the guys just skated to the boards and stayed there. You know? And I just think, what are they doing? Like, clear the zone, win a puck battle, you know. And after the first goal, it happened. After the second goal, it happened. And then after the 4-1 goal where Nashville scored their only goal of the game, that's when the very next shift led to that Scorpion save off of the uh, uh, Mammoth scoring chance. And it's just something they got to clean up. Like you got a goal is scored, whether it's for you or against you. The last thing you want to do is have another goal scored, you know, one against you to either cancel the one you scored or double your pain from the one you just gave up. Consolidate things, calm down. You got a veteran team. Just, you know, just play it safe for a shift. Is it too much to ask? <laughs> So that by the second time, the first time I noticed right away, and I'm going, come on. Then the second time it happened again. And then by the third one, I mean, it was Jack Campbell's save that that was in some ways one of the highlights of this game. But uh, it sure came on the on the heels of just some careless play. And there's no real good excuse for careless. When you said you were nonplussed, that word always gives me a pause. I always think, what does that mean? And I just Googled it, and I, and I realize now why I have that question. Because here's what Google says. The, the first thing that comes up is, why does nonplussed have two opposite meanings? And the answer is, that's probably because a lot of people use this word to mean unfazed or not bothered by oh, something, oh, okay. while others use it to mean unimpressed. Yes. Which is, well, that's, that's that was my it. meaning. It was the second one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, not phase. That, that actually does work with that word. It's one of those words. But uh, as a viewer, I was kind of phased. <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely. I was phased too. Uh, well, I was very phased by that that whole sequence. <laughs> so yes, that's uh, nonplussed. Uh, in this case, they almost got minused, but instead they were just nonplussed. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Bruce, let's go to numbers. So my number is nine. And um, 
That's the number of hits Dylan Holloway has so far this season. He, for forwards, he is second on the team now. He had four tonight. And I can't say that I really recall any of the hits tonight, but I do I do have the general impression of Dylan Holloway playing strong hockey this year. Yes. He's really getting involved. He's um, playing like, a, he looks like a solid NHL hockey player. And that, I think that nine hits is representative of that. Evander Kane leads the team with 10. Darnell Nurse also has um, uh, nine hits. In terms of like hits per 60, Adam Ernie leads the way um, with 21 per 60 minutes. And then Holloway's next with 16. Um, so, yeah, good for you, Dylan Holloway. You're figuring out a way to <coughs> really stick in the NHL. And I think probably eventually work his way up this lineup. Um, and they're going to need, I think, Dylan Holloway to work his way up this lineup. They're going to need his speed and I, I think his skill and aggression is going to be very welcome before the year's out in the top six is my my prediction based on the preseason in the first three games. He's he's carrying it um, forward this year in the way he was able to last year. He got put in the top six and he made a bad play early last year. But he's he's playing strong hockey right now. Yeah, I, I, he caught my eye tonight in a good way uh, with his positioning a couple yeah. times. Where there was, there was, you know, the puck came to sort of a conflict point, and he was in exactly the right place and able to deal with it, what might have been a problem just by, you know, being a proper puck support role behind the puck for starters. And and I got in my notes a little bit more detail. It's not springing my mind at this moment, other than very strong positional play from the young guy, and that's uh, that's always a real plus when they're. When they're young, they can tend to be all over the place, and he can too. But uh, he he does make a lot of plays right, and I've heard other other people make a similar comment about his uh, play away from the puck. Bruce, what's your number? My number is 128. That is the number of career power play goals <clears throat> now scored by Leon Dreisaitl, taking over the Oilers' all-time lead. Ahead of Ryan Smith, 126. Glenn Anderson, 126. Wayne Gretzky, 125. And then uh, a huge, so a really tight race at the top for now. And Yari Curry at 107. So uh, some pretty good scores in there, I'd have to say. And the uh, uh, thing is, Dreisel has done in 641 games what it took Brian Smith, 971. Glenn Anderson, 845. And even the great Gretzky, uh, who in his Edmonton years was the most prolific goal scorer, uh, basically in hockey history, never mind all the other, you know, apples and points. 696 games. So Drysaddle got to the to number one in fewer games than, uh, than the great one had. Wow. What about Curry? What was he at? How many games? Uh, oh, uh, he was at uh, 754 games, 10 full wow. seasons we got from Curry. And uh, just a magnificent player, 1,043 points in 10 years. He played for the Oilers. So, and then, but when it comes to power play points, well, now you have Gretzky, 439, and McDavid at 293. That's how big the gap is there. Because <laughs> Wayne had 314 assists on the power play, which is, say, more assists than anybody else had points, which was a standard thing that you would hear from Gretzky over and over again. He would get 
he would score a pile of goals, but he'd score more assists than anybody else had points. He did it in four different seasons. And uh, here in a different context, though, where it's, you know, he had uh, uh, basically five assists for every two goals. But uh, McDavid, he's actually got uh, three assists to every goal. He's got an even, even more extreme assist-to-goal ratio than Gretzky on the power play. So he's really he's really a big time playmaker, uh, McDavid, and obviously the, the 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 goal of the entire power player is to circulate the puck to Drysaddle in some place where he can let fly, and that's you know it's been working. Drysaddle pots power play goals, and McDavid picks up the the helpers. Yeah, yeah. Gretzky, he comes yeah. from nowhere, <laughs> he passes to no one, and a goal is scored. Yeah, what a player what a hockey mm-hmm. player um i was just thinking about i was talking with my wife actually about gretzky earlier today and the thing i would one thing i would say about and i wonder if you agree with this bruce um he feasted on weak players and i think that the the variation in the league was far greater between the very best players and the very worst players in the nhl at that time just the variation mm-hmm. in skill set was far greater in the 1980s than it is today. I think even the weaker players in the NHL are actually really pretty solid, fundamentally sound um, hockey players with high skill sets. And it's just getting harder and harder for for players to differentiate themselves from the mass of players um, than it used to be. That's my. Well, I don't so know much if you more systems out. play and stuff as well, but uh, yeah, uh, Gretzky used to. You know, they, they used to push them hard to the end of the game. I, I was looking at some summary. One of the accounts I follow, follow vintage Oilers, and I also follow, follow Oilers game by game or day by day, 1983 there, now 40 years ago. And uh, one of them posted a game score that had uh, uh, Gretzky opened the 83-84 season with at least one goal in six straight games. Well, in the sixth game, he did it with a power play goal at 19-something of the third period in a 5-1 win over the Flames. You know, they're just still pushing, 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 trying to trying to pile in the goals. And that was just how that team operated. Uh, sure did. Probably didn't, probably didn't land too well with, with the Flames at... Uh, who knows what kind of penalty they may have been serving at that point in the game anyway, but uh, uh, he he would just keep coming right right into and through the third period, and uh, uh, he would just overwhelm. Yeah, he would have got three more points in the third period of this game. Like that's was that was his ammo. So Bruce, I I, I want it, we're going to have tonight. I don't know if this will be a regular feature, but I want to go with the conundrum of the night. Hmm. When Gene Principe dropped his hot dog on camera, would Bruce, if you were him, would you have eaten that hot dog? Uh, did he pay for it? Well, someone did. <laughs> Maybe he got it for free. I don't know. The media sometimes yeah. gets stuff for free. Well, how clean was the floor? How many seconds was it on the floor? Well, this was the debate. I did you see this? Maybe you were not focused. I heard on. about it. I didn't actually see the incident. It was more than five seconds. Oh, five seconds, and it was outside. As Jack Michaels exclaimed uh-huh. a number of times, because Louis was Louis DeBrus was saying that he would probably. I think Louis was indicating that he uh-huh. might have eaten it. Um, and I would have. I would eat it. I don't care. Yeah, was but, the hot um, dog already dressed? Like, did it have like mustard and ketchup on it? Someone and stuff cleaned while it off. It was on the floor. Someone oh, okay. someone cleaned it off before okay. he, like his assistant there. Or okay. 
But Bruce, would you have eaten it? Is the question. Uh, conundrum of the night. Uh, you know, I'd have to actually be in that moment too. It's <laughs> pretty good chance I would eat it, especially if I paid for it. <laughs> Just reminds me of a story. Like one of my friends from Devon. He was huh? caught eating a, a, a hamburger had been put in the dog dish. Oh. And he had was he was caught grabbing that hamburger and eating it. I would not eat that. But a hot dog. The dog dish, uh, probably not. I would not eat. But the hot the uh, hot dog they dropped on the floor definitely. I mean, it's a hot dog. Could it be there? Could there be anything worse on the floor than is actually in the hot dog? <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Gene, he uh, he doesn't mind pushing the envelope. Gene is the best. Respect. I yeah, respect. I like his haircut. He's got the nice uh, trim locks to start the year. He, he went the Elliot Friedman route of shaving off the mangy mane and uh, uh, looking all sleek. So, well, speaking Gene. of haircut, uh, uh, shout out to Matthias Eckholm. I thought he handled his whole return home to uh, Nashville with class. I thought he had a pretty darn good game tonight. Uh, one or two. You know, difficult moments and a whole lot of, you know, he put out more fires than he started. Let's put it that way. He had two, three good shots on net, but just his whole, the whole way that he was welcomed back in Nashville, just giving me a warm feeling of, you and he know, played well. Fans love this player and, and, uh, and for reason, for the same reasons that Oilers fans are going to and already love this player. Yeah. And he had a much better, uh, I mean, his first game wasn't terrible, just that one play, uh -huh. but he was pretty yeah. solid tonight. They had, and they had a picture of him without his beard from like eight or nine I years ago, that. which is how long it took him to grow that thing, I think. <laughs> and and uh, anyway, it was that's what reminded me. But uh, he uh, he's he's got to get a plus one in my grades tonight just for there you go just for coming through what would be a how emotional time I would s suspect in passing that test. Very well indeed. So Thursday night in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. All right. 530 Mountain Time. Good stuff. All right. I'll talk to you then, Bruce. Good to talk to you tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>